so, so glad that you're here. And let me say to everyone joining us online, I'm so glad that you're with us as well, no matter where you're watching it from. Thank you for giving us a little bit of your time today. And uh, for those uh, in the room, if you're a guest, thank you as well for giving us a little bit of your time. Uh, I want to jump right into it, if you don't mind. Uh, we have been in a series that we're calling Jesus and Me, Jesus.me, however you want to look at that. And, and I love the series. I love what we've talked about. And I love where the series actually developed. At the end of 2020, our staff team got together and we just started praying and talking for a really long time about, God, what are some things that you've done in our life this past year as a team, as a church? We've been through a lot. What do you want to do in 2021? So we just started brainstorming about values, about who we want to be, and more specifically about who we are and who God is calling us to continue to be as not only a staff, but also a church family. And here's what I love about this. The things that we prayed about and we wrote down on a board, whether you're a part of the Bridge family or not, this actually applies to your life. We believe that what we're talking about is actually the purpose God has given to you as an individual, to you as a family, to you as a couple. And this is what I love. The very first week, if you weren't here, we said we are Jesus focused, that we're going to focus on Jesus, who he is, what he has done, and not who we are and the failures that we've all experienced in life. Isn't it a lot better focusing on Jesus rather than yourself? Good two of us agree. That's awesome. And so we talked about whenever we get our eyes off of Jesus, two things happen and we've all experienced this. No exceptions. Uh, fear sets in because we start looking at our surroundings and we start sinking. That is life begins to unravel at some point. Our marriage, relationships, friendships begin to unravel. He's the author of life. So we want to keep our eyes focused on him. Um, and then we talked about we are better together. It's just true. We can accomplish more together than we actually can as individuals. We need to do life with one another. We were made for relationships. And, uh, and then last week we talked about we are hope carriers that God has given us a mission in this world and that is to carry hope to the world. We all know of someone in our life who needs hope. And by the way, didn't Kurt Lawson just kill it last week? Come on, man. Come on. So, so good. We have so many great communicators here. And uh, if you didn't watch that message, I really encourage you to go online and watch that. But we are hope carriers. Now, before I tell you what we're gonna talk about today, uh, let me kind of just throw it out there. We want to be a church that talks about where people really are in life, which means we want to talk about things that are on your mind the most. And if, if, if I know people well, and I'm not the best for sure, I have zero counseling degree, so don't come to me because my counseling advice is horrible, but there are two things that most people think about more than anything else. And these are the two things that's the most uncomfortable and awkward to talk about in church. Anybody want to guess what those two things are? You can chat in the window if you want. One is money, because all the preacher wants is my money. The second thing that's most awkward to talk about in church is? Yeah, see, you knew it, but you didn't want to say it. You dirty-minded people. But it's true. Odds are you thought about those two things this past week more than anything else. And you wanted more of both of them this past week than anything else. 
right? So it's just awkward. It's just weird. It's just, so if we just take a big breath and go, okay, that's just true. I want to talk to you for just a moment about this value as a church that we believe we're called to be and that we actually are. And that is we are joyful givers. Yes, it includes more than money. It's about giving your time, your energy, your gifts, and what God has given you that you would bless. Now, again, I know it can be uncomfortable, but just hang in there with me if you don't mind for just a moment, for the next few minutes, actually. And the question that I, there are some questions I want us to answer and together, and this is the very first question, what kind of giver am I? What kind of giver am I? And here's what you're gonna see through this message, that giving really is a heart issue. You give your money to things you love. And whatever you love, your money will eventually follow. It's inescapable. It is a telltale sign. You can look at my bank statement and you will know that I love Starbucks. You can judge me or join me. I don't care. But you can look at my bank statement and you're going to, that dude loves Starbucks. Why? Because you can see it right? And apparently I really love Sephora. Who knew? I didn't know. (laughs) But when I look at my bank statement, apparently I love Sephora. Didn't know that. As a family, as a family, this one tops the list of all of those things that we love. But as a family, we love Chick-fil-A, the Jesus chicken. I'm telling you right now, we love it absolutely love Chick-fil-A. Don't you wish you could have bought stock in that thing or that you could now? We love it. So you will give, watch this, you will give your money to what you love. Just look at it. And you will, whatever you love, your money will start following. There are things in your life you don't think twice about throwing it down for. It's true for me. It's true for you. You don't even think about it. You're like, oh, absolutely. Why? Because your heart is attached to that thing. So here's what I want to do. Over the next few moments, I want us to look at a passage together. And I really want to pull out of this passage something about us, but also more importantly, something about God, because we want to be Jesus focused. In this case, we're going to be God focused to see what he has to say. Because again, whether you're part of our church family or not, I think this has a lot to say about your personal relationship with God. And uh, again, that's most important to us. Here's the passage that I want us to look at. And that is in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. I want us to look at a few things. In this passage, uh, I'll read it and then we'll kind of flesh it out because it tells us there are five different givers in these two verses. Here's what it says. A stingy sower, there's number one, will reap a small harvest, but a generous sower, there's a second kind of giver, will reap an abundant harvest. Give as you have decided in your heart, not reluctantly, there's the third kind of giver. Or under pressure, there's the fourth kind of giver. Because God loves a cheerful or joyful giver. And when we talk about the kind of givers, there are five. It's interesting, the word cheerful actually in Greek is the word hilaron. Anybody know what word we get from that? Hilarious, that's the word we get from that. Um, God loves a, God loves a cheerful giver. Now, when you talk about stingy, you're talking about, uh, my stuff is all about me. 
That's what a stingy giver is. Tight-fisted, my stuff is my stuff. I've worked really hard for my stuff. It's no one else's, but it's mine. That's a stingy giver. A generous sower, and you go, why is it using sower? It was an agricultural community. So they talked about seed and farming, and that's the, that, that's the, the terminology that's being used. A generous sower. Uh, you can't get around this fact. You can't get around that people who are generous love to give money away. That's what it means. They love to give their stuff away. They love to give money away. They love to help as many people as possible. A person who is generous loves to give money away. That's the second kind of giver. The third kind is reluctant. Now, this is a very interesting word. The word reluctant actually means, uh, and I'm going to write it right here if you don't mind. Uh Uh-oh. My eye didn't go in. (laughs) There's grief involved. God, we got to give. I don't want to give. All right. Write the check. You ever had anybody, any ladies in the room, you're looking forward to Valentine's and here's how you want your husband to give it to you? Here's your gift. Um, How about you take the couch today? I mean, it's like, right? No. Listen, anybody who gives you something and it's grievous to them, which means it's a burden. That's what the word means. It's a burden to give money away. If anybody were to give you a gift like that, hey, here's your dumb gift. (laughs) What do you say back to them? Just keep it. Keep your dumb tie. I got plenty in the closet. I don't need it. Just keep it. Guess what? When you read scripture, God is the same way. If giving money is grievous to you, if this is a burden, it weighs you down, you can read this in Malachi. God goes, just keep it. I don't need my $20 back. I got plenty. Just keep it. It's also interesting. Under pressure actually goes two ways. Okay. So the under pressure actually means um, one can be praise, that there is a pressure you feel to be praised by someone. You, you ever know people who they take care of the bill or they love to give and they love telling people that they did it, right? Hey, where are we going to eat? Subway, I got the ticket. It's all right, I'm gonna buy everybody a sandwich today. I got that, no problem. Where are we going to eat? Perry's, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> right? So there is a pressure in the positive sense of that you want people to praise you and notice that you're a giver. Okay. But it also goes the other way. Watch this. It also under pressure means fearful. We better give something to God today. He will flatten all of our tires this week. I don't want that to happen. So there is a fear of giving something, giving $10 or something. I mean, we want him to like us, right? So give him some. There is a fear that you'll go to hell or that God will punish you if you don't give something. And then, of course, the last is a cheerful giver. And, of course, what we're looking at, and this is why this is so important, God loves a cheerful giver. Now, this is so interesting. When you look at this, here's what it means. Where does the giver actually discover what kind of giver. If you want to know what kind of giver you are and identified one of the five, we're all one of the five, then here's what that's actually telling you. Are you ready? Don't miss this part. It's revealing your heart. You have determined in your heart 
This is what you will give or this is what you will not give. This is how you will handle your finances. This is not how you're going to handle your finances. And your heart is telling you if you're stingy. It's telling you if you're generous. It's telling you if it grieves you to give money away. It's telling you if you're giving under compulsion is another word that's used. Or it's telling you if you're a chill forgiver. It is all about the heart. All about the heart. All about the heart. Um, we, we love celebrating stories and talking about stories. Um, I, I saw this uh, uh, tweet that, that came through and it was like, or on Facebook actually, and I was like, man, I want to read that. Now, I didn't ask the person if I could read this because you put it out there. <laughs> it's public and I can use it. So here's exactly what this mom actually wrote. And I want to read this to you because this is so good. This is from Catherine Self. Here's what it says. When our 17-year-old approached us and asked to chat finances, and then he said he wants to tithe to the bridge each week from his pay. <laughs> what an amazing thing to start at such a young age. I wish I had his wisdom at 17. Man, we knew Sweet Cliff, that's her son's name, was always uh, learning and listening, but Ray and I were blown away. To say we are proud is an understatement. This kiddo amazes us each and every day. Now, I want to explain two things in that. L leave that up if you don't mind. I want to explain two things about what you just read. It says that their son wanted to start tithing. You're like, what is a tithe? Real simple, all throughout scripture. Here's what God says. For every $10 I give you, the first one is mine. It's got my name on it. A tithe means a tenth. And here's what God has said. That first one goes back to me. It shows that you honor me, that you love me, that you're going to trust me, that you have put your hope in me. So that first one, that, that's called a tithe, which is a tenth. I remember learning this early, early on in my life. My wife and I have always given a tenth. That's where we started. And now it's even more than that to give a tenth. I always tell my boys, listen, this is how you handle God's money. It's not yours. This is how you do it. You give one to God, you give one to yourself and you live off the rest after the government. Okay, so, here, so we got that. <laughs> give one to God, give one to yourself, and live off the rest. Live off the rest. Now, here's what's so interesting. So this 17-year-old is starting that right now in his life. Isn't that amazing, by the way? So incredible. So, so, so incredible. And by the way, that percentage never changes. $10 is one. $100 is 10. The, the, the percentage never changes, okay? Now, we get duped into thinking, I can do more with 10 than God can do with nine, this is where we start believing, uh, really, a lie is what we believe. And I want to show you as that fleshes itself out. But the other thing I want you to notice is this. In the passage, here's what it says. Leave this up. In the passage, it says this. God loves a cheerful giver. You go, whoa, 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 whoa. He loves everybody. You're right. The person sitting in your chair is of infinite value to God. That he loves you. Very much. So much so he knows the hairs on your head, how many you have. He is concerned about your marriage. He's concerned about your sex life. He's concerned about your dating life. He loves you. Then what does it mean that God loves a cheerful giver? Is exactly how these parents feel about their son. That's what it means. They take great delight in their son. Now maybe they have another child. It's not that they love Cliff more than the other one. 
<laughs> maybe they do. Come on, you're a parent. You know you don't love them all the same. But maybe they do. <laughs> but no, they love all of their children the same. But it means with Cliff in this moment, there's something that has captured their heart that they lean into a little bit more. And the word God loves a cheerful giver. The word love means he delights in. He's happy about. He finds great joy in that kind of giver. Don't you want to be that kind of giver? Now, I want to show you because the rest of the text talks nothing about you in particular. It talks about how great your God is. Look at this next text. This is so good. So, so, so good. Here's what it says in the next text. God loves a cheerful giver. Watch this. And... And God is able. There is no coincidence, no coincidence that right after cheerful giver talks about how great your God is. No coincidence. After being a cheerful giver, the writer goes, oh, and by the way, God is able. Don't fear about your finances. Why? God is able. What are you so anxious about? God is able. What are you so scared about financially? God is able. Why are you staying up at night just thinking and crunching and pros and cons? And we got, why? God is able. He puts them together. Why, watch, watch. Why does God love, delight in, takes joy in a cheerful giver? Because that giver is looking at their God going, you are able to come through in any circumstance in my life. So I will trust you and I will put my hope in you, not my money. God loves that kind of giver. And watch how it plays out. This is so good. God is able to bless you abundantly. So that, watch, watch, watch. So that in, you say the word as I circle it. All things at all times having all that you need, you will abound in. What is God able to do? All things. What can God cannot, what he cannot do? Nothing. All times, all situations, whether you have a lot, whether you have a little, whether you are feasting, whether you are family, God is able to come through for you at all times, in every situation. God is able. Do you see this? See, this is, this is so amazing. This is why when you talk about giving to a church, it's not about twisting your arm. Come on, come on, give money, give money, give money. No, no, no. It's that we're putting our hope in God as a people. We're trusting him with our future, with our marriage, with our family. We're trusting him. And it's because he has been so good to us. Anybody in the room should have died by now. Look at all the hands. Look at all these dead people still walking. I mean, this is how amazing God is. So if you want to trust him for your future, just look in your past how he's taking care of you. It's not that life is easy. This is not a message about, hey, give to God and he's going to give you so much in return and next week you're going to be driving a Bentley up into church. No, 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 no. That's not what this is about. This is a heart issue of trusting the God who has promised in all situations at all time with all of your needs, he's going to take care of you. That's what we're talking about. I mean, come on, come on. The most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen. The one that God wrote with Tim Tebow, right? God so loved the world that he gave. Maybe God loves a cheerful giver because when you give, 
you remind him of himself. And when you give, he does something that you can't experience any other way. Can I show it to you? Watch this verse. Watch this verse. Same verse. Same verse. I want to show you something. God loves a cheerful giver. God is able and goes into motion. Now watch this. Here's what it says. I'm going to use a different color here because I like that. Having all you need, not all you want, all you need. I would argue that God is so good though he gives you your wants too. All you need, this word need talks about satisfaction and contentment. That you will, you got to put this together. This is so good. Abound in every good work. I want to I put that together for you. Watch this. When you are stingy, when you are, this is my money, I'm not going to be generous. Something happens internally in how you think about your money and your stuff. You're not satisfied. Watch this. So you spend more, go more into debt. You're still not happy. You're not content with what you do have, so you go get more. You put more pressure on you and your family, so you're still not happy. There is a cycle of thinking and living that creates more dissatisfaction than satisfaction, because in your mind, you think we never have enough. So here's what happens. Since we never have enough, you live by getting away with just enough. You love your wife just enough. You work at your job just enough. You give just enough. Whatever make God happy, let's just, let's just do that. So your life is lived down here. Now here's what it says. Here's what, watch this. This is so good. When you are a generous person and one that God loves, a cheerful giver, he comes through for you, he provides for you. You got these stories that are absolutely crazy in your life. You cannot explain. You can't put it together. So you trust him more, trust him more. Your heart becomes satisfied in him and what he has provided. Watch. So it frees you up to abound in the rest of your life in what you do. Why? Because you ain't worried about living this way anymore. There is a satisfaction and contentment going, God's going to take care of us. So let me think about how to be creative at my work. Your creativity goes up. Your margin in your emotional life with your spouse goes up. Your time with your kids, you can really enjoy them and be present with them rather than thinking about something else. Do you see it? This is what God is saying. Now, if we finish this out, let's go to the rest of the, the verse here. I'm gonna show you something. God is able. Can I just show you how great your God is? God loves a cheerful giver. God is able. Let me tell you everything that he's gonna do for you. He will bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work now, he who supplies, he'll give you what you need. To the sower, he'll give you bread for food. He will also supply and increase your store of seed. He will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, this is beautiful. When it talks about your righteousness, it means that you being generous will outlive you. That's what it means. You take that testimony into heaven. You impact so many people way beyond you. Do you know what happens, by the way, to your stuff? Do you know who gets your stuff when you die? Answer, not you. 
some, some dude that marries your wife, he gets all your stuff. How does that make you feel? Spend it now, spend it now. I mean, right? I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't want that to happen. But this is how we live. And here's what, here's what God says. It's gonna go way beyond you. A generous person, it goes way beyond them. And watch this, I'm not done with how great your God is. Your God will be, you will be, you will be enriched. How? In every way. So why? Why would God do all of that? Don't miss this. So that you can be generous. Why does God give you what you have so you can give more? Why has God chosen to bless you with what you have so you can bless others? And the more he enjoys watching you do that, the more he will give to you to do that. He loves that. You think somebody who's generous with their money, God steps back and goes, well, why'd you help them out? That was dumb. Or does God step in and go, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you. Guess what? I got more where that came from. Let me help you out so you can help other people. This is what he's doing. Why would God be so amazing in all those areas? so that you can say thank you. God loves to be thanked. And when you give, you're just telling him thank you. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Thank you for taking care of me and my family. You're so good. You're so good. I want to show you how it's a hard issue, by the way. I want to show you. God, it's a heart issue. You have this God, everything that we've read, he has provided for you, taking care of you. The money you have, he has given you. The job that you have, if you've lost one, he's got another one. He is so good, he loves you. The Bible says he has showered you with his love. And what he asked and what he loves are those who from the heart, from the heart is generous. What he loves is for those who look out for other people who may be going through a hard time. What he loves is for those who have these creative gifts that he wants to use to bless the world. Watch this. The secret to the whole thing is that intersection right there. That's it. Because you can't give what you don't have. And for those who don't give, I question have you really received? Do you really know how great he is? Have you really felt him love you? Not for anything you can do for him, but just because he loves you. You can't help but to give away. I always tell our kids at the very end of the year, I sit them down and I tell them how much mom and dad gave away. Yesterday we were eating Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and I said, hey guys, Y'all remember how to, how to give a $10, right? And they were like, yeah, you give one, you save one. You live I said, that's right, that's right. I said, hey, this past year, your mom and dad was able to give away more money than we've ever given away in any other year. It was so exciting, so awesome, so amazing. It was just incredible. The reason I tell you that is because your kids are watching and I want my kids to grow up to be generous, not just to be generous, but to know how great their God is. That's what I want them to know. So we share, our, I don't know if you do or not, but we do. We share our finances with our kids all the time. Um, and, and, and here's why, because this was actually taught growing up um, with our ancestors. Uh, this, this verse, this verse. 
2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is in the chapter right before the one we just talked about. Here's what it says. It's just kind of thrown in there, by the way. And you'll miss it if you're not careful. Here's what it says. Remember, so you got to remember something. Whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. It's interesting. It's a quote. So he's quoting from times past. But what does it mean? Anybody like Frosted Flakes, by the way? Anybody in the room Frosted Flakes? It's like Corn Flakes. Satan made those. This is Frosted Flakes is what this is. I love Frosted Flakes. One of my favorites, as a matter of fact. Love Frosted. Growing up, this is what we ate. That and uh, Cocoa Puffs. Anybody remember Cocoa Puffs? Yes. Come on. And you drank the milk afterwards because it was so good. Come on. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. But I love Frosted Flakes. Our spiritual heritage is tied to something like Frosted Flakes, believe it or not, in the issue of giving. By the way, this is family size, about 359 at HEB. <laughs> you, remember, you remember, um, remember the story of Moses? So Moses, if you don't, let me just kind of, Moses goes in to rescue God's people because for over 400 years they've been enslaved to Pharaoh, beaten, whipped, the whole deal. 400 years. God says, I've heard their cries and I'm going to rescue them. Pulls them out of Egypt, brings them to water. And they're going, why would you bring us to the Red Sea and water? He's like, your enemies can't swim. Just hang on just a minute. So he splits the Red Sea. They walk across to safety. God destroys their enemy. Now they're on the other side. And God's like, freedom. You're welcome. So amazing. So unbelievable. These are our ancestors in the faith, right? And then after a few days, guess what they start doing? Complaining. We ain't got anything to eat, God. This is just horrible. Where's our bacon? And where, where's, well, they were Jews, probably not that. Where's the sauce that just hit me? I'm so sorry. Where's the biscuits? Where are the eggs? Where is it, God? Why aren't you hooking us up? And so God, in his grace and mercy, does something amazing. Here's what God tells them. Here's how, here's how this is going to go down. Every day when you come out of your tent, there'll be dew on the ground, but there's also going to be manna. The word manna is, what is it? They didn't know what it was. Like, that's what it means is what is it? Manna. But when you read about the description, it was like frosted flakes. There was a sweetness to it. And it was these little flakes. And here's what God said. Every time you come out, I want you to gather up just enough for you and your family for the day. And then tomorrow I'll do the same thing. Here's what started happening. They started coming out of their tent and they'd be like, just get as much as you can, kids. Get as much as you can. Why, Daddy? You don't know what's coming tomorrow or next week. Get as much as you can and just put it in your pockets. Put it in these jars. Just get it. Hurry up. Push your neighbors away. Just get as much as you can. Mysteriously, when they would wake up the next day, the frosted flakes had turned to grape nuts with worms in it. And they had to throw it out. Watch, 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 watch. Read the verse again. Who, remember, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. But whoever gathered little, what they needed, they had no lack. Early on in our spiritual heritage, God was teaching them and he's teaching us. Your gathering will not save you. Quit looking down at you need more and I got to get more. And the more we have, the more secure that we have. God has told them and he has told us, Tony the tiger will not give you security. 
I will. Put your hope in me. Turn your eyes from you thinking this is our security. This is our joy. This is our satisfaction. Kids, when you grow up, get as much as you can and just put it away, put it away, put it away. And God was teaching them, get your eyes, please get your eyes off of money and stuff and put your eyes, please, come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm able. I'm able. You will not be in lack. I will provide your needs. Yes, there are going to be times where you think I'm not going to come through for you. But do you still trust me? You still going to put your hope in me? And this is the one area of your life where God goes, test me. Give me one shot with your finances. Put me to the test. In Malachi, God goes, if there's any area of your life, you test me here. You want to know why? He knew our hearts our hearts are so attached to paper with green ink on it. And we can't get enough of dead presidents in our pocket. <laughs> and listen, if your thought process is, well, when God gives me more, I'll... No, no. That is not how he works. It is not about an amount. It is about your heart. So I want us as a church to be joyful givers, not to get anything in return, but because he's given us everything and he is a good God and he is able. Listen, what kind of story do you want? What do you want to tell your kids? What do you want to sit down at Chick-fil-A and tell your kids? Here's how we planned it all out. Or do you want to sit down and go, you're not going to believe what God has done in this area of our life. I'm just telling you, pull out my journal, start sharing stories. He came through for us here. He came through for us here. Put your hope in God not frosted flakes.